Welcome to StartupRad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Joe from StartupRad.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany here in lovely Frankfurt. And you can tell from the back, I'm here again at my study and you can tell from my beard, it is getting fall here. Before it used to be uh, the leaves are turning brown. It starts to rain a little bit. Now it's more the IKEA catalog arrives and pumpkin spice is available at a big um, coffee chain. Nonetheless, we have a Saturday afternoon and I'm very happy to have Costa here with you. Calimera. Calimera, thank you so much uh, for inviting me to be part of this uh, conversation today. Yes, totally my pleasure. We should say that it's um, an exclusive here and you're the very, very first startup from Athens that ever made it into my podcast. Very welcome. Um, but before we talk about the startup Lando, can you tell a little bit about yourself? Of course. Um, so yeah, my name is Kostas. I'm a software engineer. That's uh, how I started. Things have changed a little bit though after my involvement uh, with Blendo. Uh, but we'll talk more about this uh, um, uh, later. Uh, I started uh, with technology at a quite early age. Um, so I was happy enough to see things happening like um, seeing the internet for the first time, where like Greece was sharing just one IP for the whole uh, country, I I was um, using uh, and benchmarking different web browsers like Mosaic and Netscape names that some people might I don't know like they think that they will find them in a museum or something today. Uh, and the things that happened by the end of the 90s uh, with the crash there and all the um, expectations that we had about technology that changed and uh, of course the second wave of uh, having mobile um, devices and uh, the clouds and whatever is happening today. So yeah, I call, I consider myself like a very fortunate person because I belong to a very small part of a generation that I usually call the analog to digital generation because we started uh, with the analog era and we ended up in the digital and we saw uh, all these, um, uh, I had the opportunity to process, uh, to, to experience this process. So I studied uh, electrical and computer engineering here in, uh, in Greece. Um, and uh, I started from my, let's say, academic years to work a lot with data, uh, with stuff like how you can represent uh, data, how you can uh, put semantics around data and make the data more self-descriptive, uh, and how we can make machines understand um, information on a higher level than just uh, um, um, streams of data. Um, so I've done a lot of things around technologies, um, data representation, data modeling, uh, storage solutions and database systems for uh, uh, for data and that's like 
the most relevant part of my technical background, let's say, when it comes to how Blendo uh, was realized as uh, as a uh, as a company. Um, so I worked a lot in Europe uh, with many institutions around Europe and uh, um, universities. I did also some research in the space. And then at some point I decided that um, I, I was feeling that something was missing. Um, I'm very, uh, let's say, I, uh, I value freedom a lot. And when I say freedom, I mean both in, uh, you know, like, and also like, like uh, implementing things. Um, so, but, and I also value a lot uh, value creation. So I felt like like I from what I was doing back then and figure out a way uh, to create value that I can, you know, uh, understand and feel uh, that someone is getting this value uh, directly uh, from me. And that's how I started thinking about building a company. To be honest, I didn't know what I was messing with <laughs> in good and bad ways. journey uh, so far and I'm pretty happy about it. When you've been talking about in good and bad ways, I was wondering, would you have started Blendo if you would have known everything you would know now? And um, I also seen that Blendo is like registered in Delaware, at least according to LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I would start Blendo again. That's both for uh, personal reasons and also for uh, reasons that are beyond me. Like when you build something and you see that uh, uh, there are people, companies, um, institutions out there that, that, that get value from what you build, it's like very strong motivation to say that, yeah, I would do it again. But apart from that, the company uh, and becoming and being like a founder, uh, it's a very life-transforming experience, uh, at least for me, and this is something that I would never change, like, it's, it's, it's an amazing journey. What, uh, it's, yeah, I, some choices would be different at this point. We can discuss about this, but, but it's not something that you can know beforehand anyway, unless you are uh, experienced as an um, entrepreneur and you have done it before and you know your market very well. So, yeah, there are some things that I would do different, but no, I'm, I would make the same choice of building the company again. And regarding the company, yeah, the company is incorporated in Delaware. Um, it's not, there is a subsidiary here in Greece because we have our R&D here in Greece. The reasons that uh, the company was incorporated uh, in Delaware was twofold. One was that uh, we were aiming mainly for uh, um, the market in the States and uh, also for um, investing reasons because we started, uh, our first investors were uh, from Israel and we needed to have like a common ground in terms of the legal framework for building a company and uh, Delaware is a place where everything is well understood by everyone. Um, so it was, uh, it was a very good choice at that point and it was a very good choice in general to be honest in terms of uh, incorporating the company. Um, 
I'm not too sure how much of operation you have uh, uh, in the United States. Did you consider it like um, tiresome to set up the company from abroad? Mm, can you repeat the last part of your question? Did you consider it tiresome? Was it a lot of work to set up the company uh, when you were um, not American or did it just work smoothly for you? You just booked an internet service and that was it? Uh, it wasn't that difficult, to be honest. Like The actual incorporation took uh, like a three four days or something uh, but to know like uh, the right people uh, to guide you so we were fortunate enough to have some lawyers from um, uh, Tel Aviv uh, they guided us in everything and it was a very process things get a little bit more complicated when you start interacting with IRS uh, uh, but again, it's not something that um, it's much different um, than what is happening in Europe in general. I'm not talking about Greece now because Greece might be a little bit of an uh, outlier when it comes to um, things like bureaucracy. Uh, but I think that someone from the UK or Germany or, or even France, probably uh, it's not going to be like much, much different from what they have experienced. And actually, I incorporated the company and operated the company there for like, um, I don't know, more than a year without visiting the country. So it worked pretty well. When you say you incorporate the company without visiting the country, do you consider yourself a Greek startup, a European startup or an American startup? That's a good question. Uh, I would say now that we are a global startup. Like uh, we started from Greece, uh, we had to move to Tel Aviv and stay there for a while, so we can kickstart the company. Um, after that, uh, we started working in the sense that uh, we have like, like the majority of our partners are from uh, United States and especially the West Coast. Uh, we have investors from both Israel and uh, Europe. Um, our customers, most of our customers are in the States. Uh, we employ people in the States, we employ people in Canada, we employ people um, in Israel. So, yeah, at the end, we are Greeks, we have our R&D here in, uh, in Athens. But if you want to uh, compete uh, in something that, uh, in a market that is actually global and when you are especially like a tech-heavy company where the product is actually transforming almost every um, industry out there. I think you should aim to be a global company as uh, as possible. So, yeah, we're a global company. Um, a global company, very good. Um, we've been talking such a lot about um, the company and Blendo. Can you tell us a, a very easy, dumb it down for business students, what you guys are actually doing? Yeah, so what we are that we allow companies uh, to get access to all the data that they generate, uh, both on the cloud and on premises. Uh, actually, we are doing something that in technology terms we are doing from the first uh, moment that uh, databases came into existence and we started working with uh, 
with data. So um, on a more technical level, it's called DTL or ELT. It doesn't matter. It's just an acronym that uh, But at the end, if we want to speak more on um, business um, terms, um, we are enabling uh, companies to reclaim the data that they in a form that can be used directly by uh, business people and stakeholders inside the company. So that it's um, very easy to use. It's an infrastructure product in the sense that the, the whole company is going to use it and it creates data inside the company without involving IT that much because IT has much more uh, um, difficult and um, different kind of tasks that uh, they need uh, to maintain inside the company. And we make sure that uh, the company can trust their data and the people uh, like um, a sales product manager or a marketing manager, anyone who today needs to delve into data to make decisions, um, they will have the data that they need uh, at the right time and be sure that the data is uh, correct and without errors. Uh, so we're reinventing, uh, in a way, this ETL uh, process because things have changed a lot in the industry, in the tech industry. Um, data is not that centralized and they are not owned that much in the same way, not that much, in the same way that the companies used to own data. Company, uh, the data is actually spread over different uh, applications, database systems, all over the cloud and even on hardware that is owned uh, by the companies. And as data, something like, um, like the blood or the oxygen for companies, this data to uh, remain competitive and make decisions even far and uh, more uh, informed uh, decisions. Um, this kind of solutions are becoming more and more important. And what is uh, equally important is that products like Blendo allow um, the company to become, let's say, data citizens. Like they can get directly access to their data without having to need uh, the support from IT or data engineers and uh, other um, situation. Do you help the companies like to consolidate all the data in just one data warehouse or you, do you just give access to the different parties in charge to this data that is already there? Yeah, so what we are doing to the different sources that the company has that and in mind that these sources uh, might be uh, governed by different people inside the company, like a CRM, for example, or um, a ticketing system. Uh, we are talking about completely different teams and completely different ownership there. But there's data there, and usually we have two different types of data. We have operational data, so we can ask information and get the responses about how well we are doing with uh, customer support, for example. Is there space there for improvement? But also, uh, um, there. There's behavioral data about our customers because all these applications at the end, they act more like touch points uh, with the customers. So we take this data and uh, as you, you very well put it, we move this data into uh, the data warehouse solution that the company is using. And all this process from extracting, uh, reshaping and loading consistently the data on those is fully automated by Blendo. Um, 
so we don't own the data. We don't uh, want to keep the data. The companies uh, consolidate the data in a way that gives them also ownership over the infrastructure that the data is hosted at and uh, the technologies that they want to use to, um, to analyze and um, um, create new data, new products over this data. So my understanding would be that you also help like getting, um, for example, Salesforce software as a service, any software as a service data in there, as well as internal systems. And they then can like put together reports or um, analyzers reports or stuff like this. And they just press a button and have the right data. Yeah, exactly. So one of the main use cases is reporting. Uh, which is still like a uh, very core problem for companies. Uh, so, but here we are talking about, let's say, reporting that it's probably more complete. So someone from sales, for example, can also leverage data that's coming from an accounting system. Um, so they can see like more accurately what kind of uh, uh, actual value at the end is associated with the leads that they have. Um, you, you can even create like re-customer re journey uh, from the moment that they start interacting with your brand uh, through marketing, uh, with uh, connecting the whole uh, through sales, and then how they interact with your products, uh, and how they become customers, and also track the journey um, after they become customers. In general, huge opportunities uh, to do things with the data that the companies are generating. Uh, but the problem is by outsourcing all these um, activities outside the, the, the company itself, it accelerates the companies, but at the same time it causes problems because the data becoming even more fragmented and more siloed um, inside different systems. And this is um, like the first uh, of the problem that we are solving by making it extremely easy and um, uh, consistent to get this data and put them into the of the customer. I understand data, data, data. Um, when you've been talking and while it took me a while to get back this uh, recording to my camera, I was taking notes and um, when you've been talking, I was curious, um, who is the main person who makes the decision to like buy the Blender service? Um, is it more the CTO? Is it more the CMO? And how do your clients usually use your tool? So, different people making, actually there are, let's say, two main uh, um, persons or personas or whatever term we want to use uh, that we direct inside the company, okay? So we see people that are coming from um, the data analytics uh, departments, for example, so have like a data analyst who is coming to us, uh, trying to get access uh, to the, their data. Uh, usually it's very uh, narrow request at the beginning. So, for example, it's like, okay, we need to make reports um, for our sales team. We are using Salesforce. Uh, we need the data to do some custom reports that are not uh, 
possible to do inside Salesforce at this point. Um, data analysts will look uh, for this kind of data. And uh, um, usually the but at the end, the decision maker might be someone from sales because Actual is used uh, for their needs. Then we might continue the discussion and we can get like more people on board uh, from the company um, and we see also other departments getting involved. Uh, depending on the size of the company, I think the question actually it's very um, strongly tied to also the size of the company. So with smaller companies we see like more executive people coming, uh, like the CTO. Many times we see, we see people like COOs coming, CIOs in, many, in some cases. Um, and then as the companies become bigger, uh, we might see like the head of a team coming uh, of a department like from sales and buying uh, the solution. Um, I think that, the, and this is also part of the transformation that the industry is going through. So, and as we have uh, roles that, uh, like the CDO, the chief data officer, um, still are things, still things are quite fluid. So I think that we are still in process of figuring out who should own like the data infrastructure of the company, which is DFIT infrastructure of the company. Uh, so until this happens, and I think it will take some time because we are still learning and we are still trying to figure out the right um, uh, structure inside the company. Uh, we'll see people uh, getting involved in this. so many thoughts so many questions um uh i was wondering when you've been talking uh owning like the data infrastructure in your personal opinion who should be the one in the company to own the data infrastructure well i think that um it's a whole idea of uh, having a CDO company, especially for more mature companies, it's probably what is going to happen at the end. And there are different reasons behind this uh, that we are talking about um, quite complex infrastructure. Because if you think about it, in order to utilize the complete stack that needs to work together, so you need things from like uh, storage solutions, to ETL solutions, uh, to BI solutions, and all these things work together. Um, and these are different, um, like someone needs to have like the complete uh, overview of this. And I don't think that I uh, should do that. Uh, but it's also, there are other things around uh, data that will get things more complicated. And I think that in the near future, we'll see more things about compliance, security, privacy, uh, things that probably companies will need to take care of from day one. Um, you've seen like what is happening with GDPR and there are even uh, more uh, legislation going through both uh, in Europe and in the States. Uh, so all these things, I think, um, it's a very strong signal that 
uh, anything that has to do with the data should be uh, governed uh, by a separate entity inside the company. It's not the CIO that should do that, and it's not the IT department anymore. Um, so, yeah, I think that this is like the, what we are going to see uh, happening in the next couple of uh, years, probably, and even earlier. Really great. Um, I do have two more questions right now for you. At first, who is usually, how does your average customer, like the company, look like? Are there certain industries you're seeing more and more using your tool? And secondly, um, which other companies, like in a sales pitch, should have a look at your tool? Um, to be honest, uh, and I think this happens a lot, uh, I think with almost every uh, infrastructure uh, product, we are pretty horizontal. Although we try to focus more on companies that are more technologically mature and markets that are more logically mature. But as also Gartner says, in the near future, every company out there is going to be a technology company anyway. And I think they have a point, uh, especially when it comes to data. Like we've seen very traditional companies, especially coming from very traditional like markets, uh, from like storage solutions uh, and logistics and things like this, trying to leverage the data uh, that they have uh, from like marketing platforms like AdWords, Facebook, and uh, um, similar other products. Uh, we've seen uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, of course, many technology companies that they are trying like to be data driven from day one. Uh, B2C or companies, I would say that usually what happens is that B2B companies takes a little bit more for them to generate enough data to justify having like um, an infrastructure for their data. Uh, B2C companies tend to have like a lot of data from early on, so they try to invest in this kind of um, technologies much earlier. Um, but yeah, I would like to. I wouldn't like to say like a specific um, industry, uh, but I would suggest even if uh, like a company at any stage they don't uh, really co consider building uh, a data stack at this point, I think they should start thinking about it. Um, they will have more control over the data. They will need uh, to. Um, deal with legislation uh, sooner or later. Uh, like, even if you go to a doctor, like, you know, just an appointment, you have to sign for GDPR at this point because they have, like, electronic health records there. So, data is everywhere. And um, I think that the sooner any company understands that they should utilize this data uh, for them and more, uh, like, um, uh, ready they will be to... Um, compete in this new space and this new environment and space that is uh, created where uh, data will be used for uh, um, almost everywhere and for many different reasons. And I'm not talking here about exotic, exotic like stuff like AI, machine learning and these things, uh, but like even solving uh, reporting uh, problems, it's something that we see still 
being a big problem in companies of any size, from small companies to like really, really large enterprises. I would have one more question for you. You're talking about uh, small companies to very large enterprises. And when you've been talking, I was wondering whom would you like to have as a customer? It doesn't matter if it's realistic or not. And first thing would come to mind is, would you like to have the CIA as a customer? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think that I can have the CIA as a customer, to be honest. I think that they are dealing with data on a, a completely different perspective. Uh, I don't think that uh, we can work together. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think... Uh, Blendo as it is right now, we are like uh, we prefer to work with small, uh, small and medium-sized companies. The reason is that uh, we are still an early company, so it's very helpful for us uh, to be in uh, to build relationships with companies where things are more agile and the communication uh, back and forth. Uh, it's there's a mar more bandwidth there. Um, so we usually prefer this kind of companies in terms of size, um, but we try to be uh, agnostic in general in terms of um, the industry. There are some industries that are more difficult to work, uh, like in uh, finance, uh, in the finance sector, for example, or health sector, mainly because there's um, uh, many concerns there about uh, the privacy, and we would like to be uh, to deliver something that uh, always guarantees the safety of the data of the people who are involved. And we are talking about the customers of our customers here. Uh, we take this responsibility uh, very high for ourselves. And uh, so it's a little bit more difficult to work there. And we also have bigger companies, like we'll, we even have like companies that are from uh, uh, Fortune 500 uh, companies, uh, uh, but their things are different. Like at the end, especially we are working with teams in these companies, it's like again working on smaller companies in some cases. The, the problems there are more about uh, the sales process, the procurement process, and uh, all the processes that these huge companies have because... Uh, they are huge, like, they, you, you cannot avoid. Uh, um, yeah, like, when you have, like, thousands of employees and departments and things like this, you need to have bureaucracy at the end. You cannot avoid that. So, uh, yeah, we try to be more agile, which is also a result uh, of our current uh, states and where we are as a company. Uh, it's not that we have a preference, in, like a personal preference or something like that. I see you're a startup with Greek roots who's actually international and you don't have any preference to work with any customers. It was such a pleasure having you here as a as a interview partner uh, and I wish you best of luck. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me here today and uh, it's, it was a pleasure to be able to share a few things about uh, our journey with Blendo and hopefully you hear more about us in the near future. Hopefully. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.